This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. The other day I came across uh, an aphorism that said, I am not what has happened to me. I am what I have chosen to do. And on first reading, it seems like one of those uh, feel-good, affirmative uh, kinds of sayings and people sort of passively nod their head and agree with. But as I thought about it for a minute, I thought that it was actually an excellent example of what the existentialists, uh, de Beauvoir and Sartre, called bad faith. For them, when we wanted to talk about authenticity and truly being who and what we are, They wanted to emphasize freedom, but always in balance with conditions of determinism. And bad faith meant disrupting the balance between determinism and choice in a way that skewed the the balance in in the direction of one over the other without without keeping them in a kind of dialectic. If we skew things in the direction of determinism and only talk about cause and effect, we can feel stuck or trapped, completely boxed in by the circumstances of our birth, by our history, the whole cultural moment seems to be a narrowing down of anything we may want to choose. At its most extreme, we can not just feel helpless and hopeless, but deny that there can even be such a thing as free will at all. We can succumb to a kind of scientism that says the physical world is totally determined and that there's no place in it for such a thing as choice or free will. We get completely boxed in by that point of view. 
But bad faith is equally represented by a kind of fantasy of pure choice, pure freedom. One in which we sort of narcissistically delude ourselves into believing in our own autonomy, a kind of uh, fantastical omnipotence of absolute freedom. And we want to deny our interconnectedness and our vulnerability. We want to either imagine or create circumstances there where we do not have to take into account anybody else or anything else. Now the challenge in practice is always to acknowledge both sides of that dialectic and let them interact with each other. Work within the dynamism of that interaction. Somewhere when uh, D.T. Suzuki was asked, what is the meaning of freedom in Zen? He said, the elbow doesn't bend backwards. We have free movement, but within the constraints of our anatomy, within the constraints of these real circumstances. And we do not lament the fact that I can't move my elbow 360 degrees and only 180 degrees. It's not what an elbow is. It's not how it functions. In a certain way, it would be crazy to ask the elbow to be anything other than what it is. To think that somehow escaping the confines of its definition is the only kind of freedom that that matters. I probably thought of that Suzuki quote because uh, these last few weeks I've been having a lot of pain in my knee. And it wasn't uh, getting better, so I finally uh, decided I would go see uh, an orthopedist about it. And he examined me and took x-rays. He looked at the x-rays, and then he said the words that uh, every Zen student dreams of hearing. He said, you will never need a knee replacement. (laughs) I have great knees. And the pain was just from tendinitis, not from anything uh, arthritic or structural. But that's a very sort of real world kind of dilemma where we have to face the 
interaction between what we choose to do and what are the limitations imposed by our body on what we're able to do, particularly a body that's getting old. And even if I don't have to have a knee replacement, still mostly have to sit in a chair these days. And I have to be able to practice in a way that I feel it's an extension of my freedom that I can practice in a chair. It's a reality I have to come to terms with, but it doesn't mean my practice life is over because I can't sit Sashin and Half Lotus anymore the way I used to be able to do. If I thought just in terms of that kind of constraint, I would feel, uh, oh, my freedom is very constricted now. I really can't do what I used to do. Or I can emphasize, well, even though my knees are bad or I'm still stiff, there's still ways to practice. There are always ways to practice within the circumstances I have. Another way we see this uh, dialectic played out in the Buddhist terminology is the tension between karma and the precepts. Karma is a way of talking about the inescapability of cause and effect. That everything that we do is the result of what's gone before and will continue to send forth ripples of causality all through the future. We're always in that net of cause and effect. And yet within that reality, we take vows. We take the precepts. We vow to save all beings. We vow not to kill. We vow not to steal. How can we make a vow if everything is karmically predetermined? Well, in part, when people give their talks about the precepts, part of what they say is all the things that's happened in their life to bring them to this point. There's a kind of acknowledgement of I am the sum of all the things that have happened to me. And it's because I've encountered suffering in one form or another that I've now chosen this path and this practice. And I'm choosing it because of what happened and I'm choosing it in response to what has happened. 
and it is part of my way of responding to what has happened. When suffering happens, we can simply become resigned to it, feel helpless and hopeless, say it's the condition of life, or we have the capacity to respond to it with agency, with vow. And obviously, all the political events of this past week vividly illustrate the tension between those two kinds of possibilities. Our lives are inevitably shaped, determined by the political decisions that are being made now. And yet we also have the choice and the responsibility and the freedom to respond with agency and action and a sense of possibility rather than resignation. I just also came upon a uh, very good summary of uh, this Dharma position uh, in a song by Bob Dylan called Buckets of Rain. It pretty much uh, completely sums up the Dharma in one stanza. So I thought I'd uh, recite that for you. I won't sing it. I'll just recite it. It says, life is sad. Life is a bust. There you have the first noble truth. All you can do is do what you must. There's karma. You do what you must do, and you do it well. See, that's putting the two halves back together. You do what you must do, and you do it well. That's adding the whole notion of vow and precepts of doing things well to the reality of karmic determination. And finally, I'll do it for you, honey baby, can't you tell? All of it is driven by compassion. Life is sad, life is a bust. All you can do is do what you must. You do what you must do, and you do it well. I'll do it for you, honey baby, can't you tell? <laughs> <laughs>